As tempting as it may be to look ahead to TCU or UCLA next week, the Zags have to first take care of a Grand Canyon team that is really, really good at shooting it from beyond the arc. What does Gonzaga need to do to avoid losing in the first round for the first time since 2008? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, today we're going to talk about our keys to a victory for the Zags over the lopes of Grand Canyon on Friday. We're also going to preview the women's matchup against Ole Miss taking place shortly after the men's game on Friday at Stanford's campus. But first, we're just going to get to know this Grand Canyon team, talk a little bit about who they are, how they got to where they are. So let's meet the Lopes. Grand Canyon, 24 and 11 on the season, 11 and 7 in conference play. They've been kind of one of those teams that emerged in the whack as a perennial contender against New Mexico State. That was kind of the expectation for them. Uh, and they've made the tournament a few times, but they, you know, as much as we might see, oh, Grand Canyon was the winner of the whack, that seems expected. That's kind of the, the, the path that we expected this Grand Canyon team to take, they weren't the regular season winner. In fact, they only went 11 and seven in conference play. They tied with Seattle U. They ended up getting the fifth seed heading into the WAC tournament. And they did a really, really nice job uh, in the, in the Las Vegas tournament, which we're going to talk about momentarily, but this is a team that in the regular season, they were not great. Uh, the expectations for this program, they haven't quite met them yet. Certainly an upset win in the NCAA tournament would help jumpstart that, and you can bet that's what they're kind of banking on or hoping on uh, here in this game against Gonzaga. But this isn't a team that has quite reached the threshold that many people expected for them a few years ago, and there was a bunch of hype, and they had this huge fan base, and Dan Marley was the coach, and Bryce Drew took over and kind of thought, oh, we're going to take this program to the next level, and they haven't quite gotten there. They, Like I said, finished fourth in the regular season. You look at their non-conference schedule this year, they just – they don't have a lot of good wins. They have a win over Montana State. That's an NCAA tournament team. They're a 14 seed like Grand Canyon, but they are a tournament team. Their other wins of note, Pepperdine finished last in the WCC. Alcorn State, a solid SWAC team, but not an NCAA tournament team because they lost to Texas Southern in the SWAC tournament. Wyoming, one of the worst teams in the Mountain West. Those are kind of their non-conference wins of low, of note. They have some some losses that that look okay. They only lost to two against North Texas, a team that had a lot of momentum in the regular season and looked like they should have been or, or even could have been considered for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament, but still lost. They lost to Nevada, a team that did make the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid. They lost to Wichita State, and they share this in common with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They also lost to LMU in the regular season as well, or excuse me, in the non-conference season. So not a team that has a, a particularly excellent resume. They did fine in the WAC conference play again, 11 and seven, not great, not terrible. One, at least one of those wins was a forfeit win over New Mexico state when they decided to abolish their program, at least temporarily uh, in light of all of the uh, off the field, off the court situations that they were happening uh, there. So a team that quite honestly doesn't have a super impressive resume, but they're playing good basketball right now. And that's really what matters going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they got really hot in Whack Vegas. They I stuck around for a few extra days uh, after Gonzaga beat St. Mary's in the WCC championship. Glad that I did because I got to see this Grand Canyon team in person against my other alma mater, Seattle U. So kind of a, a good opportunity for me to uh, unintentionally be scouting Gonzaga's next opponent uh, in the NCAA tournament. Did not intend to be doing that while I was there, but hey, 
it worked out. Uh, first of all, the crowd, very pro Lopes. Part of the reason that they ran through the W or excuse me, the WAC tournament in Las Vegas is because pretty much every fan who was in, in the arena was a Grand Canyon fan. Shout out to them, their fan base for traveling and showing up. Of course, they had a geographic advantage being where they are, but they they ran through the tournament in a way that is pretty surprising and a little bit frightening. They beat UT Arlington in the first round. They were down six at half. They beat Seattle U in the second round, despite being down seven at half. And they got swept by them in the regular season. So swept by them in the regular season, down by seven at halftime. They erased that deficit pretty much immediately in the second half, jumped out to a five to 10 point lead and never relinquished it. It was a very nice performance from the Lopes. Then they played Sam Houston State in the semifinals. They were down six at half. And guess what? They won. And then they played Southern Valley, Southern Utah, excuse me, in the WAC championship. And no mystery here. They were not down at halftime. In fact, they were up by a lot at halftime, expanded the lead even more coasted in the second half to a WAC championship and now a 14 seed in the NCAA tournament. So they got some momentum. That's something to absolutely be a little bit weary of for, for Gonzaga fans. Like this is a team that that's coming in hot. Of course, so are the Zags. And I think that that helps uh, to an extent as well. From an analytics perspective, Ken Palm has Grand Canyon 109th in the country. That puts them, you know, right around LMU, San Francisco, those kind of solid WCC teams that Gonzaga has played this year. Offensively, they rank 53rd in the country. That is very good. This is a good offensive team. They are not a good defensive team. 198th using Ken Palm's adjusted defensive metrics. So they're not going, they're going to, score a lot of points. They're going to give up a lot of points uh, to a team like Gonzaga, who's an elite offensive team. I think a lot of this game is going to come down to first to 90. You're going to score a lot of points in this one. And Gonzaga's got the better offense, no doubt. So I think that's a big advantage for them, uh, considering that most of the teams that really do well against Gonzaga are teams that they can play them well on the defensive end of the floor. I'm, I'm not sure Grand Canyon is going to be that team. From a tempo pace perspective, they're 292nd. So again, somewhat not quite as, as egregious as St. Mary's or some of those other teams, but Another one of those teams that they're not exactly going to get out in transition. They're going to slow the pace uh, and they're going to run their offense a, a little bit more methodically, a little slower, trying to look for open shots. And, and if they get open shots, that's going to be an issue. This is a team that shot 38.3% from deep this season. That's 16th in the country. If you want something to be worried about, if you want, if for some reason you're out there thinking, I'd, I'd rather not sleep the day before Gonzaga's game, think about the fact that Grand Canyon is nearly a 40% three-point shooting team because that is a concern heading into this game for the Bulldogs. Chase McMillian, 44.6% for the Lopes. Noah Bauman, 6'6", wing off the bench, or I think he comes off the bench, 43%. Kobe Knox, freshman guard for them, 41.7%. Three guys well over 40% from beyond the arc. They're going to light it up. And if the Zags are not careful and if they're not defending the perimeter the way that they can, that could be an issue for them in this game. Biggest player to watch out for for the, for the Bulldogs in this game against the Lopes, Ray Harrison. Ray Harrison, a transfer out of Presbyterian. Uh, he came in last year. He averaged 17 points per game last year at Presbyterian. Came to Grand Canyon, pretty much put up the exact same numbers. He's been really, really efficient uh, and productive for the Lopes this year. 17.8 points per game, four boards, three and a half assists. He is more of a scorer around the rim. He's over 50% on two-pointers, but only 32.5% from deep. So a guy who's more likely to, if Grand Canyon can spread the floor, pull Gonzaga's defenders away from the rim, away from the middle of the floor, he can start getting to work and trying to go to the basket. And I think that's what we're going to see this team attempt to do. As we've talked about with a lot of mid-major teams that Gonzaga has played this year, they don't have a lot of size. They have a lot of rotation players. They play like nine or 10 deep. None of them are over 6'9". 
The one guy who is 6'9", that is about it for this team. So they're a very they're a pretty good rebounding team despite the size, which is something to keep an eye on. They're going to be tenacious. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to be going after the rebounds, but they don't have a lot of size. They have very, very little rim protection. 3.3 blocks per game, the same amount as Gonzaga, quite honestly, but uh, not a team that does a particularly good job of protecting the rim, and, and they're going to have some trouble with Drew Timmy. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. The Zags have played teams like this before. Can they make the right moves to ensure a victory in this one? More on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. There are tons of odds out there on the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga is a 15 and a half point favorite against Grand Canyon. Maybe you love that line. You can bet on that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to combine, to get your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Go ahead and grab your bracket and go listen to the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. Came out right after the bracket was revealed. Myself, Isaac Shade, a couple national hosts for Locked On, breaking down the bracket, every single matchup, who we think is going to win, who's in our Elite Eight, who's in our Final Four. It was so much fun. It's an incredibly exciting, very, very good thing for you guys to listen to check it out seriously it was fantastic it was a lot of work it was a lot of fun it's available on youtube locked on college basketball and wherever you get podcasts all right folks five keys here's what gonzaga needs to do to beat grand canyon simple enough right five keys key number one pound the ball in the paint let drew cook <laughs> it's the easiest way to say it there's not any reason to recreate the wheel here there's no reason to get cute to try something different to try to surprise Bryce Drew and Grand Canyon. Look, they know that Gonzaga is going to bring the ball down the court and give the ball to Drew Timmy. Don't do anything different than that. Make them figure out a way to stop it because Drew can do multiple different things. If they single cover him, which I do not expect, I will be clear about that. I think they're going to double and I think they're going to double instantly. But if they play single coverage on Drew Timmy, Get him the ball and get the heck out of his way. Let him go to work. He destroys single coverage. He has for four years. There is nobody on this Grand Canyon team who will reliably stop him in single coverage. If they double, Drew is capable of reading where the double team is coming from. Gonzaga's offense is capable of adjusting, moving around, finding the open player, and getting them into a position to take an open shot. Whether that's a cut to the basket where they can get a lay-in, whether that's an open three-point shot, whether that's Drew kicking it out, resetting the offense, 
whether it's Drew kicking it out, the ball getting swung around the perimeter until somebody's got an open look, tons of different factors. There's a reason Drew Timmy had his career high in assists this year. I mentioned this on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Zags as well. Drew Timmy had more assists per game this year than Marcus Sasser, the AP first team All-American point guard. Drew Timmy, more assists per game. He is a facilitator on this team. Let him do that. He can't facilitate the offense if you're not getting him the ball. Come down the floor, toss him the rock, let him go to work. Their biggest rotation player is 6'7 forward Gabe McLaughlin. If he's the one guarding him and they're not doubling, let him go to work. If they are doubling, find a way to get an open shot because that's what Gonzaga has done this year. There's a reason they have one of the best, if not the best, offense in the entire country. It starts with Drew. No reason to get cute. Let him get the ball. Key number two, pressure Grand Canyon's guards. The four main ball handlers for the Lopes all average more than one and a half turnovers per, per game. This is a team that, that coughs the ball up a fair amount. They're, and, and we talked about their schedule. They didn't play a lot of teams with a ton of high-level athletes. And, and Gonzaga is not a great defensive team. We've talked about that. I'm not going to pretend that they are suddenly an elite defensive team. They have improved dramatically. Ken Palm lists them as, like a, I think, the 73rd, 74th defensive team in the country. They are better than that lately. And I think that they will play better than that as we get into the NCAA tournament. But this is a team that is going to present more of a challenge to Grand Canyon than they have faced throughout the year. And even throughout the year with the teams that they have faced, they cough the ball up a fair amount over 12 turnovers per game as a team. There's no reason Gonzaga can't turn this team over 15, 16, 18 times. Quite honestly, that's what they should do. And I don't necessarily advocate for the one, two, two zone press that Gonzaga ran against St. Mary's because I think that that was specifically done to counter what St. Mary's was trying to do to get Aiden Mahaney uncomfortable, to get Logan Johnson uncomfortable. And with the, the, the knowledge that if they did break the press, they were just going to set up into their regular slow plotting methodical offense. However, Grand Canyon might do something similar. And if you think that's going to be the, the way, maybe you do run the one, two, two press. Maybe you find another half court trap, some other way to put some significant pressure on Grand Canyon's guards and make them cough that ball up because I think that they're going to. And I think you're going to get some opportunities for some runouts, some easy buckets, uh, just because the team is coughing the ball up. Key number three, defend the perimeter. This is it. This is the key to the game. This is how it's going to go down. Grand Canyon, 38% three-point shooting team from deep. They take a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. If they're going to win this game, it's because they're going to make 15 threes or 18 threes. That's what's going to happen. If they lose this game, it's probably because they didn't shoot up to their season average. I think that that, I mean, it's, that's an oversimplification of everything that's going to happen in this game by clearly, but it's going to be a significant factor. Gonzaga has struggled at times this year to defend the perimeter. Look at the BYU game. That was probably the most egregious example of the Texas game very early in the year, although that was an intentional game plan to make Texas shoot over them. And it just did not work because Texas shot as well as they've shot the entire season in that game. But I think for, for Gonzaga in this game, it's defending the perimeter and forcing Grand Canyon to beat you another way. Do not get beat by the Lopes because they shot the ball well from three. Make them beat you another way. Extend everybody, play pressure defense on the perimeter. If they get around your guys, if they get to the basket that way, fine. You'll accept that. Gonzaga is not a great rim protecting team, but they have enough of a size advantage that Anton Watson, Ben Gregg, Drew Timmy, Efton Reed, whoever it is down there, just using their size throwing their hands up, they should be able to alter some shots just by being more physically imposing and bigger than the team that they're playing. There is absolutely no reason to play a soft defense that allows them to shoot open shots over you. Do not let them do that. Blast them on the perimeter, force them to drive around you, and see if they can convert, convert that way because 
Something tells me they can't. And next key here, fourth, I almost said final. We got two more. Next one, make your dang free throws. Make the free throws. That's it. That's it. We almost don't even need to say more here. Grand Canyon commits roughly 18 fouls per game. Against Gonzaga, they're going to commit more. They do not have the size to defend Drew Timmy one-on-one. And if they're doubling him and he's still going up through contact, he's going to get fouled. There are very, very few players that I have seen in my time watching college basketball who are better at drawing contact than Drew Timmy. He is one of one in that category. His high basketball IQ, his quick reaction time, his reflexes, his ability to get underneath defenders, bring his hands up, make them make contact with his arms, throw his arms out like this. It's beautiful. I, he's, he's, he has it down to an art. It is an art form what Drew Timmy does when he gets fouled. But then what happens after that is not so great. <laughs> and that's kind of the problem. Drew Timmy on the season is, I think, a 63.5% free throw shooter. Now, since February 1st, Drew Timmy has shot over 73% from the free throw line. If he can do that, you're in a lot, lot better shape. Anton Watson, more of an issue there. He's not a great free throw shooter. He's probably not magically going to become a better free throw shooter. But get these guys in foul trouble. It's like... Grand Canyon plays nine to 10 guys. So they're just going to cycle dudes out. They're going to be in and out, constant rotating. Uh, they're going to be fine with guys picking up early fouls. I think there's going to be, I think this is going to be a, a game that Gonzaga spends a lot of time at the charity stripe. You got to make them. You got to make them. You shoot 75%, 78% from the line in this game. You're going to be looking at a victory in a matchup in the second round against TCU, Arizona state or Nevada. We'll get to that uh, at another time. And then finally, the last key of the game for this team uh, for Gonzaga don't be afraid to take the open looks from deep. And I know we started this segment discussing pounding the ball in the paint, and that should be the priority. It should absolutely be the priority. Drew Timmy's one of the best players in all of college basketball. He's going up against a team that does not have the physical size and strength and athletes to defend him. It's a no-brainer. Give him the ball, let him go to work. But Grand Canyon is going to desperately try to make somebody else on this roster beat them. And if Gonzaga's players are too tentative because they know, hey, we should just let Drew do his thing, let Drew do his thing, let Drew do his things. If you're given open looks, if they're letting you take shots that you can make, shoot them. Because if you start making them, then Grand Canyon doesn't have anything left to do. They're going to pack the paint. They're going to swarm Drew Timmy with two or three guys, and they're going to let open shooters shoot. That is what I think is going to happen in this game. If Nolan Hickman catches a pass on the perimeter, uh, it swings around to him. He's wide open from three and he starts trying to look for a way to get Drew Timmy the basketball again instead of taking the shot, that's going to be a problem. That's playing into what Graham Canyon wants. Don't do that. Take your open looks. You might miss a few of them. No, I don't, it's pretty rare to, to not miss a single three-pointer in a game. It's going to happen, even open looks, but I think you've got to take them because they're going to start falling, especially for Hickman. He's been on absolute fire lately. Of course, Julian Strother has been money since his 40-point game against Portland. Rasir Bolton has been a little inconsistent. I have a feeling that he's going to show up in the NCAA tournament. This is his last go-round. I don't think he wants to go out quietly. I think he's going to bring some noise. Malachi Smith has been a really, really big uh, player for the Zags in the last couple of weeks. Heck, Ben Gregg and Hunter Salas are guys who could knock down open threes as well and have proven it uh, with some confidence uh, in their shot as well. So, yes, ball should go to Drew Timmy. Most of the offense should be facilitated through him when he's on the floor. But if he's if he's double-teaming and he's kicking the ball out, you better be shooting the dang ball because that's what he's trying to get you to do. That's what Grand Canyon wants you to do. If you start burying him from beyond the arc, they don't got a lot more choices. They're going to have to start defending you out there. That's going to give Drew more room to operate. And then at that point, you're kind of done. That, that puts you in a pretty darn rough position uh, going forward for the Lopes. 
All right, well, Gonzaga's women's team is taking on Ole Miss on Friday evening. Here's a preview of that game and a tremendous accolade for Kaylin Trung coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. And we're switching over from previewing Gonzaga's matchup against Grand Canyon on Friday evening, 4.30 Pacific time in Denver, Colorado. Instead, we're going to talk about Gonzaga's first round matchup on the women's side, where they are playing Ole Miss, the Rebels. That is a fun matchup. WCC versus SEC, the game is taking place at Stanford's campus. I misspoke last week. I mentioned that it was it's in the Seattle region, and I mentioned the game is in Seattle. That is not true. The game is not taking place in Seattle. The game is taking place in Palo Alto, California, on Stanford's campus as the one seed they get to host that regional. Still a geographic advantage for the Zags in some sense, although obviously uh, there are more Gonzaga fans in the Seattle area than there are in the Bay Area, but still should be a pretty nice contingent of Gonzaga fans at that game on Friday evening. Ole Miss, the Rebels, 23-8 on the season. Got themselves an eight seed over a Gonzaga team that had uh, significantly less losses. Uh, Gonzaga on the women's side, unfortunately, the WCC hasn't garnered as much respect uh, on the women's side as it has on the men's side, which is tough to say because it doesn't feel like it's garnered a whole lot of respect on the men's side either. But uh, this Gonzaga team ran through the conference. Obviously, they had the one loss to Santa Clara. They had the loss in the WCC championship to the pilots of Portland. And now that set them back to being a nine seed here. They're playing a South Carolina team that fit, or excuse me, a, Ole Miss team that finished fourth in the SEC behind South Carolina, the best team in the country by a mile, uh, as well as LSU, who finished second, and Tennessee. Shout out Tennessee, a team that Gonzaga beat earlier this season. They finished higher in the SEC standings than the Rebels. This is a big Ole Miss team. Four starters are over six foot one. They have a lot of size, and they need it because they don't shoot it particularly well. 29.4% from deep as a team. That is like the polar opposite of Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a team that lights it up from deep. Brennan Maxwell is one of the best shooters in the entire country. Kaylin Trung broke the record for individual three-pointers made in a single season for the Zags this year. This team lights it up from beyond the arc, and they're going to play an Ole Miss team that does not do the same. Ole Miss led by Angel Baker. She averages 15.5 points and 2.5 assists per game. Madison Scott is their enforcer down low, 12 points and 8 rebounds for her. The Zags are going to need to spread the floor, and they're going to need to shoot it well from beyond the arc. Fortunately, that's kind of their skill set. This is what they're good at. Rebounding is going to be an issue in this game. Vani Ejim is going to have her work cut out for her against a team with as much size on the front line as the Rebels have. But this is a winnable game for the Bulldogs. All eight, nine games are winnable for both teams. They're they're pretty evenly matched. And I think for Gonzaga, having a, a regional advantage playing a team that doesn't shoot particularly well, uh, starting to get healthy. I think that's been a big factor for them as they're starting to have all of their all their players back and healthy. Uh, and, and and having the skill set that kind of is best utilized to counteract what Ole Miss does. If Gonzaga really relied on driving to the basket and, and finishing through contact or whatever, I'd be, I'd be a bit, bit more concerned about Ole Miss's size. But it just kind of works out well. It doesn't mean it's a guaranteed victory by any stretch of the imagination. This is a good Ole Miss squad, and they're going to come out with everything that they have. But – it's hard to not feel pretty good about where Gonzaga stands in this game at this point. I want to close out the show giving a shout out to Kaylin Trung. I mentioned earlier that she had 93 made three pointers this year. That is the record, the single season record for the Gonzaga Bulldogs broke by set initially by Jessica Malone back in 2002. She made 93s. That's that's wild that the record stood for that long because the uh, the change that has gone through college basketball from 2001 to 2023 
in terms of how we shoot three-pointers is dramatic. The fact that Malone held that record for 20 years is pretty astonishing, but Trung has now broken the record and she's an All-American. The report came out on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, that Trung was named a All-American honorable mention. She is the seventh Gonzaga women's basketball player in history to be named an All-American. Every single one of them was an honorable mention, including, shockingly, Courtney Vandersloot three times, 2009, 2010, 2011. They could never give her more than an All-American honorable mention. I am retroactively angry from 2011 that in her third year of being a dominant college basketball player, they couldn't find a way to even put her on the AP All-American third team. That is ridiculous. We'll move on. She joined Slute, who, of course, has those three All-American nods. Shannon Matthews was the first in 2005 for the Bulldogs. Stephanie Hawk in 2007. Slute three years in a row. Hayden Palmer did it in 2014. Jill Townsend and Jen Wirth both did it in 2021. Now, Trung joins the group. Again, her 93 made threes set a single-season record. She also averages five assists per game, which is 32nd in the country. Her total number of assists is 29th in the country as well. High-level distributor, high-level outside shooter, kept this team afloat and ranked in the AP Top 25 for the majority of the season, despite being without her twin sister, Kaylee Trung, who was gone for most of the year other injuries that kind of piled up for the Bulldogs throughout the season. She was the straw that stirred the drink and kept this team going throughout the year. They really, really needed her. And this is a very, very much well-deserved honor for Trung. Uh, And they're going to be back. The two of them said they're coming back along with Eliza Hollinsworth, along with Brenna Maxwell, Vonnie Ejim, we expect to be back as well. This is a team that's going to be very, very dangerous next year. For now, they're not focused on next year. They're focused on pulling off a victory against the Rebels of Ole Miss, and I think they got a pretty good chance to do it. That one's Friday, 7 p.m. after the men's team takes on Grand Canyon. A double dose of Zags. Have that game up. Have the TCU game up on the other screen so we can see uh, who Gonzaga is going to face on Sunday. Going to be a very, very fun evening of basketball. All right. That is going to do it for me today. Friday, we're going to have someone very plugged into the Grand Canyon program on the show to help us preview that matchup even more, talk about what he thinks the Lopes are going to look like in that game. Also, don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball podcast, not just the bracket breakdown. We have shows previewing every region, talking about the upsets that we're expecting to see, everything you want to know about college basketball. It's it's in five days a week normally, but quite honestly, it's seven days a week right now. We got content coming your way every single day on Lockdown College Basketball, a top 10 podcast in basketball for the entire country. Very, very honored, humbled, excited to be able to share that with you all. I hope that you've checked out the show. If you haven't yet, you can find it on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.